0: I've been studying the book of Romans for 20 years now. It's a book that I continually come back to often. I am mind blown how deep it is. It is unbelievable to me how you can read the same passage 40 times. And for some reason on that 41st time, there's something that creeps out and just smacks you in the face. And just, how come I never saw this before? Wow, that's what he was saying that whole time. and the Holy Spirit incrementally begins to add it to our understanding so that we will think more along the lines of our Lord. And having done more in-depth study on Romans 12 than maybe what I've ever done, it's become increasingly evident throughout this text of how important it is that the mind has to be changed before the actions ever follow that it's adequate time spent in the word of God, meditating on it, praying over it, seeking out application of it, desiring for God to add it to our understanding, saturating ourselves, letting our brains soak in the word of God so that our minds will be changed. Because, And I know I've said this before. Satan has orchestrated this world to teach us a certain way. And it's godless. And he's used every avenue that we could possibly think of. TV, magazines, our best friends. Just idle chatter that we hear in the midst of waiting in line for something. Even Newsweek is waiting to tell us something gross. The word of God is the only cleansing agent that we have. And it is the spick and span, the Mr. Clean that the Holy Spirit uses to scrub our noggins so that we will think more along the lines of godliness and holiness and righteousness because it is not found in this world. And so since that is the case, it is even more important because the days are getting darker, the time is growing near. The end of all things is at hand. Make no mistake about what we see, all these advances taking place. Make no mistake. The world is hell-bent on control and power and money, and they will do whatever it takes to get everyone in submission. Christ has set us free, and we are to live in such a way as brothers and sisters in Christ that just by the way that we operate with one another, they say there's something wrong about that because they can't comprehend what light looks like. That's what gives us the open doors for the gospel of Jesus Christ, Him crucified and resurrected. In Romans 12, I want to pick up in verse 9. We've dealt with particular spiritual gifts, and you can listen to the past sermons on our website to deal with that. But I do want to pick up in verse 9. As we move forward, about the type of culture that's in play. Now, before we do that, everybody get your minds back on breakfast, okay? Remember, the spiritual gifts are like the blueberries that you would put in the pancake batter. But everything that we're looking at from 9 down to 21 is the batter. You can't cook blueberries on their own, you'll burn them. And you haven't lived until you smelled burned blueberries, right? But the batter that surrounds it is what makes it something that is not just edible, but enjoyable. And that's what this is. The fellowship culture of the church. Verse 9, Let love be without hypocrisy. Abhor what is evil and cling to what is good. Be devoted to who? One another in brotherly love. Give preference to? One another in honor. Not lagging behind in diligence. Fervent in spirit capital S, Spirit, the Holy Spirit, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord, rejoicing in hope, persevering in tribulation, devoted to prayer, contributing to the needs of the saints, practicing, or probably better translated, in hot pursuit of hospitality, chasing it down, for the practical needs of our brothers and sisters in Christ. This culture is an in-house culture. It's not an outside culture. When we try to make the inside culture of the church as prescribed in the Scriptures an outside culture by this whole wooing of social justice, it actually smells more like an outhouse culture. Nobody thought that was funny. This is going to be awful. I really worked on that. Okay. So it hits you deep. Wow. That's what it was. It was more real than it was funny. Lord, help me. Okay. But now, but now, Vern, you need something to drink. Um, But now he continues on. And I understand Sometimes these types of prescriptions that Paul is giving out can seem kind of like, okay, this and this and this and this and this and this. Do I need to get all these things in place? No. You need to read the Word and just trust that the Holy Spirit will make it a reality in your life. We're embracing it as a new way of living. Maybe we lived in a way where we didn't really care about contributing to our brothers and sisters who were in need. Now that we've read the Word of God, should that mindset change? Absolutely. And so we ask the question, Holy Spirit, I now know this, so please change my mind, change my disposition, and mind and heart are connected in the scripture all the time. I need a heart change, I'm well, the only one that can do it, about how I view my brothers and sisters so that I will be contributing in hot pursuit of how I can help and nurture and build them up and love them. That's how we handle it. We don't make it a checklist, then we become law keepers we start to give up, surrender more of ourselves and ask for the Lord to make it a reality in our lives. It's got to be spiritually wrought or it's no good. So in verse 14, bless those who are nice to you. Bless and do not curse. Have you ever noticed that you might be having a bad day, but somebody comes up and say, hey, how are you doing this morning? And because they're so chipper, you're like, oh, I got a new win. I'm doing great. How are you? Hear that or we're putting on a mask and faking it, which is sin. But we respond for some reason more vibrantly because of their disposition towards us. Yes? What in the world do we do with a verse like this? Now don't raise your hand, but think about it. Have you ever been persecuted for your faith? Have you ever been belittled or beaten down or oppressed in some way because of your convictions about Jesus Christ? Here's what I'm not talking about, because you felt there was a particular tertiary issue soapbox to stand on, and so really what you were doing was being needlessly annoying, and that's why people didn't want to listen to you. That's not what I'm saying, because Christians get in the habit of doing that. Let's just be honest with ourselves, but I'm talking about because of the reality of the fact that we're sinners, that Jesus died for sins, and that he rose from the grave, you were persecuted because of your your faith in the Son of God because you sought to live a different way based on the conviction of where the Scriptures are prescribing your life to go. Have you ever suffered that? Have you ever dealt with that? In the past in America, we haven't known much about that. What I'm thankful for is is actually, we opened the paper one day, and it's funny because I didn't know where ours was located from here, so I stole it from Jerry's place while I was there. If you wonder where this paper went. I was wondering. Thank you. Monday the 22nd of November and I loved it, the very first headline two kidnapped missionaries freed for those of you that haven't been keeping up with this there's a ministry organization in Ohio called Christian Aid Ministries and they sent 17 missionaries down to Haiti so why would they do that, that's crazy why would they go to a place that's going to treat people so bad because that's where the Lord sent them to go and that's why you go So while they were down there ministering, they have been kidnapped by a Haitian gang, and they were held hostage, have been held hostage, for $1 million apiece. One of them that was kidnapped is an eight-month-old. Right now, they've been held about 45 days. So on November 22nd, they actually released two of them, and from what we understand, they're unharmed, which is a good indication for the rest. But here's what I love, and I wish this part would have been on the front page as well. But on the website, they had a statement to make about this, about the release. We we request continued prayer for the kidnappers. Of all people, those heathens, those people that obviously hate Christians and see them as a means of gain. We request continued prayer for the kidnappers that God would soften their hearts and that they would experience his love and goodness. As you pray, remember the millions of Haitians who are suffering through a time of serious upheaval and unrest. We desire that God would be their refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Psalm 46.1. Having read their, their website today, If the Lord allows for their release, all praise be to God, but if He doesn't, give them strength where they're at and open doors to share the gospel. Bless those who persecute you. Repeats it again, bless and do not curse. In fact, the word bless here is from the Greek word, we get the English word eulogy. In other words, call down the grace of God on the people who hate you that easy to do no can it be done supernaturally see that's the interesting thing remember no longer i but christ who lives in me it is not about us conforming our lives we can't do that the holy spirit has to do that it is about a surrender and a submission of our lives. It's about being increasingly convinced that God's way is better. All of us have plans and tactics to work out, but only God's way is better. Look what he says after this. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Now notice this. You have this paper in your handout today. Just a bunch of lines, but it's so that you can write down notes here are two things I want you to do. As you think about it, and I trust that the Spirit will bring it to your understanding, maybe jot down those people who have persecuted you. Then skip over a little bit and jot down. Believers in Christ, you know, are going through awesome times, amazing times. Maybe it's a simple fact that we want to rejoice that two of the missionaries were released. That's a reason for rejoicing. I guarantee you that they're not going to quit missions because of this situation. I bet you if it's done anything, it's strengthened them to want to go again and to do what they do again. If you know believers that have opportunities for rejoicing in their lives, guess what? We're called to rejoice with them. What we're not called to do is say, well, I wish I was in a period of rejoicing. Because the flesh tendency is to turn it around about ourselves. Notice that Paul doesn't allow for that. Look what he says next. Weep, cry, wail with those who weep. Guess what we want to write down now? Do we know anybody that's going through a sorrowful situation? You need to write down the Paul family. Mike and Rhonda. because in the body of Christ if you can't find that as being the place for both celebration and sorrow, I don't know where you can properly exhibit those things to where people can come alongside you because there's a lot of hardship in life that has to be spiritually handled. Only the Holy Spirit working in tandem through believers can sustain us in that time. Well wishes, yeah, they're good. Cards in the mail, that's great. Encouraging text, fantastic. But there is something about the body of Christ that constitutes the proper environment for rejoicing and weeping. They need our prayers. They need to be able to know without a shadow of a doubt that they can experience all their frustrations and all their insecurities within the body. And we are here to love them and point them to the Word of God in every opportunity. And when they get news of rejoicing, Mike got to come home and experience Thanksgiving at home with his family who had come in, and we rejoiced with them. That's just one example of many ways that that could saturate through the fabric of our church. What are some places where weeping needs to take place because we know brothers and sisters that are going through a hard time, coming alongside them, building them up, loving them here's what's interesting about this is that paul doesn't let this go in fact something that i've done and i've been surprised because i've walked through this and i've missed a few and found the more and more that i read through this chapter i find myself marking new ones is anytime that there's something that deals with the mind i've marked it in purple highlighter you get a chance highlighters are worth their way in gold as far as the bible is concerned okay don't be scared god still loves you if you highlight in your bible but anytime i see the word think It deals with the mind. I need to highlight it. Anytime I see the words sound judgment, highlight it. Anytime you deal with the word mind, the renewing of the mind in verse 2, highlight it. But in verse 16, it's interesting because there are four points that deal with the mind and how the Christian operates the mind. Here it goes. Be of the same mind. There it is. Toward who? One another. I have all my one another's in pink. Didn't we see those previously. It's about one another showing honor to one another, being devoted to one another and brotherly love. One another. One another. All about the body oneness that we are to be having because of our reality in Christ. Well, we're to be of the same mind toward one another. What does that mean? We should all think the same way and vote in the same primaries about things and we all need to buy the same stuff at Walmart. Is that what it's talking about? No, it's being unified in our understanding of the Bible. Why is that? Because Scripture matters. And Scripture is clear. And having correct thinking about God leads to correct living in our lives. More of him, less of me. So that mindset needs to be united. Why is it that we have such teaching opportunities throughout the church? Well, because it's happening hours upon hours outside of these walls. I don't see anything wrong with us saturating ourselves with what's really true inside of these walls and taking it outside of these walls. Be of the same mind. Have that about yourselves. If there's a place of friction or misunderstanding, great. It's not an argument that takes place. It's putting an arm around one another and getting in the Scriptures and asking the question, what does the text say not only that be of sound mind toward one another but do not be haughty in mind what's the word haughty mean do we really use haughty today prideful arrogant it's all about me it's much of myself well i know it and you don't i have a corner on the truth well god has showed me this And you're too dumb for him to show you that. Is that true? No, we all have the same Bible. We're all at individual and different places in our walk with Christ. But here's what I know. He wants to lead us all to the same truth. God's truth is not a toss-up. It's not a seesaw. It's not like a wave where each one is different. No, it's consistent. If it wasn't consistent, could you trust God? No, you couldn't. God told you to tell me. That's the most dangerous thing Kevin could ever say to me. (laughs) The question is, did the Word of God tell us? Notice that the one another idea doesn't leave us for Lone Ranger Bible study. Is it good to have your quiet time in the Word? Absolutely. Nobody wants to take that away from you. But it also states a lot about what the conversation between one another should look like. Now, let me give you a very real example of this. Think about it for just a second. Some of you arrived early because you forgot we didn't have Sunday school. Some of you arrived early because you thought we still had church at 9. It's okay. Just messing with you. But when you came through the door, and our most magnanimous greeter, Scott, hugged you and kissed babies or whatever he does out there, man. He loves people. I love that. Well, welcomed you in the building. And you came in and you started talking to people. How much does our conversation when we see one another center around God's word and what he's doing in our lives? What percentage would you say? I mean, a lot of it, what we find up is the very same catching that we could have done in a text message or an email or a letter sent back and forth to one another the same type of correspondence we would have had in those means. But what I want you to recognize, and it's not that I want to come down on anybody, but think about it for a second. If we're united in truth, and we're to have the same mind with one another, and it's supposed to be the idea of a brotherly love for one another, and a building up of one another, and an honoring of one another in the context of the body of Christ, of which we are corporately gathering for the worship of Almighty God and His Son Jesus Christ then shouldn't the words of our mouth at times other than tend to whenever we're done be that of which speaks about those things to our brothers and sisters? We may not realize this, but when we give them well wishes, when we give each other well wishes, you know, well, I'm glad you're feeling better. I'm guilty of that. Concerned about how many of us have been sick. But when we talk about people feeling better, we're not really worried about their spiritual person. We're concerned about their physical health. This is one of the greatest dangers of prayer lists. Is that we have a whole lot of physical things to pray about. But spiritual things are impoverished in a lot of our prayers. And shouldn't that be where we're at? Shouldn't we be leaning more towards the spiritual? I mean, I don't know about you, but I'm 44 years old. My body's not getting better. And I'm becoming acutely aware of it. Yeah. You're 44? Is that what you're saying? Okay. You combed that frost in the beard, didn't you? Good. We're all breaking down physically. Remember, if we get better, it's by the grace of God. But if we don't, I would hope we would be in a position to where the mind is so renewed that all it wants to do is speak the truth of God to one another. You see, that's where a lot of Christian fellowship suffers. Is it the same well wishes that you would find at a community party that you would attend at the Elks Lodge or something like that? But what makes the church different? Jesus. Christ and the truth of him crucified for us. That's what makes it different. This is why, when we read crazy passages like the coming out of your psalms and hymns and spiritual songs making melody in your heart to one another, you say, That's weird. It is weird. That's the body of Christ. The body of Christ is weird. Why? Because we're talking about the truth all the time, or we should be. Maybe that's a place where we need to jot down on our notes of, Lord, even though I know your word, I'm I'm not about your word as I ought to be. And that needs to change. I need to be provoked more in my spirit by the Holy Spirit that the things that are coming out of my mouth need to be saturated with truth. I tell you this, everybody will grow from that. Everybody will grow from that. That's the nutrients over the soil to help have a greater harvest. So notice, be of the same mind towards one another. Do not be haughty. Do not be arrogant, thinking a lot of ourselves, being self-centered in our minds. But what do you replace that with? You associate with the lowly. You seek for a way to knit yourself into the tapestry of humble people. We know enough one-up people, yes? We know enough know-it-all people. We know enough people who walk around this earth thinking that everybody owes them something. Been there, done that, have the t-shirt. And that gets old real quick. And what you find is, as a believer, you really don't want to hang out with those people. Let's be honest. Isn't that true? It's always about them. Who has a phone? We have acts of penance for you. See, everybody's quiet now. Oh man, what's that? By the way, just to say, as an aside, Terry Colwalk has paid his act of penance by bringing me deer sausage. So, where all the rest of you are at, I don't know. It's between you and the Lord. But think about it. Associate with the lowly. Be about the humble. Tether yourself to those who are not looking to promote themselves. Now, here's the interesting thing. If they're not spending the time being arrogant and promoting themselves, but instead they are humble in not promoting themselves, who do you think the humble are promoting instead? Christ. Do you think that's a relationship worth being involved in? Absolutely. Absolutely. In fact, I've told you guys this story before, and I'll just say it shortly and tell you again. I was all about my wife when I first saw her before we ever even really knew each other and everything. I was like, wow, she's beautiful. In fact, I'll tell you, I thought she's hot. Okay, that's what I was about. Like, man, amazing. But when I saw her worship the Lord one Sunday and she didn't know that I was watching, woo! <laughs> Revival. That's what was going on. Why? Because there's something about people who love the Lord more than me. She loves the Lord more than me. It's just attractive. Why would you not want to be around that all the time? Because that's just going to encourage you to love Him more. Now guess what? That should be going on throughout our body. Who are those who are humble because they're exalting Christ instead of self? Link yourself to those people. Make them the company that you keep. And how about this? Do not be wise in your own estimation. Now the amazing thing about that is arrogance is easily seen because out of the overflow of the mouth, the heart speaks. So we pick up on that, right? Right there. That guy. We know. But notice this is personal. He brings it to the internal. You may go along in this facade of playing it about that you're humble. But the real fact is, what is your self-estimation? In fact, if we look back up in verse 3 of this passage, it says, For through the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you not to think more highly of himself than he ought to think, to think soberly but to think as to having sound judgment as God has allotted to each a measure of faith. In other words, we are to think of ourselves in the way that God has addressed us or equipped us or set us off. That's how it's supposed to happen. It's never in a place of talents, abilities, specialties. Everybody look at me. There's enough of that that goes on in churches. Notice that it has no part in Christ. Because whatever takes our focus off Christ, let's be honest, I know it sounds harsh, but that becomes an enemy of Christ because it seeks to cast a shadow on Christ where he can't be seen clearly. Now that's a heart issue. I know it says mind, but remember the mind and the heart is interchangeable and inseparable in Christ or in in the Bible. So we have to ask ourselves about the heart condition of that. Maybe that's something we jot down on the paper. Lord, I've been putting on a show, if I had to be honest. That's a really hard prayer to come to. It really is. Because it's the admission that we're a liar. I tell you what, nothing makes God smile more. Because when we come to that in prayer, we recognize I'm at the end of myself. The only thing left is you. Here's some applications and reflections to think about if you want to jot some things down. I don't expect you to be able to do it all, but maybe think about the crux to do it. And here's the reason why. is because if you look in your handout, I want to do something different in our time together. Number one, if you haven't noticed, I'm going to preach less time. I know many of you have been praying about that since I got here. But notice under where it says worship in the Word, prayer for application and reflection. I can give you all the knowledge and application in in the world from the Word of God that I could possibly muster in my studies and try my best to communicate it to you very clearly so that we are not in confusion about what's been talked about. But if there is never an alone time with the Lord, To ask for these things to be made a reality in our lives and that we're willing to change because of them? Let's be honest. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Information without application is frustration. We don't want to be frustrated people. And we would be doing a complete disservice to the Lord having heard His Word and walk out of here and we're the exact same people. Why were we here? It doesn't make any sense. The first thing to bless and not curse, if we're to rejoice and weep, if we're to be like-minded, if we're to avoid arrogance, if we're to weave ourselves in the tapestry of the humble, if we're to reject high self-assessments, we have to settle the issue that the flesh is not the answer. There's no answer in the flesh, there's no power in the flesh, there is no victory in the flesh. Therefore, change is never found in self. If we started to get all new New Year's resolution about how we see commands in the Bible like this, we've gotten it wrong. We've made the grocery list to be accomplished, and that is not walking in the Spirit. Paul calls for the renewing of our minds constantly, and that has to happen in order for any of these things to apply to our lives. We have to let the Scripture do its work through the Holy Spirit that indwells in us. Maybe you've been resisting the reception of the Word of God, and therefore the Holy Spirit's sitting here saying, you know what, i got nothing to work with because you're not bringing me anything. Let today be a day of change. We can pray about that. Sunday morning, Christianity is only the beginning of fulfilling these tenets. Only the beginning. We can't have serve me attitudes. I wrote a lot of stuff here. I'm thinking good grief. I'm not going to tell you all this stuff. How about this? When people persecute us, there's nothing to be gained in hate. I mean, let's be honest. That's our first response, isn't it? Our first response is to have some sort of emotional reaction. Has anybody ever had an emotional reaction to a situation and it worked out well? I'm curious. No. And so how do you keep that under wraps? How do you temper that? By being in submission to the Spirit. That's the only thing. It's the Word of God changing the mind. So that the Spirit will make the difference. Being of the same mind in the body of Christ keeps Him as the focus. Keeps us off the pedestal. And maybe that's where the prayer needs to be. Lord, too often I do look for those open opportunities to assert self. And instead I need to fall back on Your Word to be the difference. Let me give you a very general prayer that you can pray. Lord, in the light of what I now know and have heard, change me. That's an incredibly dangerous prayer. But if we see these things of what it is to bless those who persecute us, bless and do not curse, I need to rejoice with those who rejoice. I need to weep with those who weep. I need to be of the same mind with one another not looking for opportunities of arrogance, but instead finding the humble to associate with and not being high in my self-estimation. How I view myself, I really think a lot of me. Now that we know that, how does that make a difference in our lives? Here's what we're going to do. For some of us, concentration is going to be difficult, but my goal is, is the more that we do this, the more we'll recognize the value in this time. This isn't a time to talk. This isn't fellowship time with one another. But what it is, is a time of prayer. Prayer has to be a priority in our church. Period. So, from what we've heard, now it's time to ask the Lord apply these things, walk through these things, give them up to God. You got sin that you didn't confess before this started. If you've sinned while this has been going on, confess that to the Lord. Use this time wisely. And after about five to ten minutes or so, I'll come up, I'll lead us in prayer, and we'll get started in singing. So let's take this time. Let's use it now. Amazing it is that you love us. And you prescribe us a better way. You give us an amazing position, a location being in Christ as the launching pad that these things can happen you give us the indwelling Holy Spirit who uses your word and bringing about change in the body of Christ I thank you God that as he is exalted that we are all leveled that we are all individual parts and different parts of the body, but no one is better than the other. We all need each other, and we are all on an undeserved playing field called grace. Father, we find ourselves in persecution. May we bless. May you give us the heart resolve to bless much as we see the Christian aid ministry doing in relation to the kidnappers in Haiti. Father, we pray for their situation and we do ask that the light of the gospel would be unhindered, that the Holy Spirit, as he is convicting hearts and minds, would illuminate the faith of these missionaries towards undeniable that you stand among them fathers we rejoice in those situations that need rejoicing as we think about all the wonderful things that you're doing here and putting us in a situation where we've got a space problem that's a good problem to have may we rejoice that you are bringing people to this local body, that you are adding them for the cause of Christ, that the teaching of the word is going on, that people are able to learn and grow. Father, may we weep with those who weep. Think about Mike and Rhonda right now. Father, our prayers would be for them often, and your strengthening hand would be felt upon them. Lord, I pray that we would place all that you desire to accomplish through them in this in your hands, that we trust you, that we would speak the word of God to them, that we would share scripture with them, that you would bring to our hearts and minds words of comfort and words of grace. Father, unify us in sound doctrine, that our minds and hearts would be set upon the truth of your word, that it is free of error, that it is free of falsehood, that it is divinely inspired, that no argument has ever come against it, but it stands preeminent above all accusation. Father, I pray that we consider ourselves. If we are bo- boisterous and arrogant, And Lord, you would correct us gently. Often in being arrogant, I am completely ignorant of what's really going on. So Lord, help me to see that. Father, bring to light the lowly, the humble. That we would seek to keep company in such a way that brings us lower still and exalts Christ even more. Father, help us to think soberly about ourselves. Not that we would be totally down on ourselves and throwing an unnecessary pity party that's still about us but that we would also not be exalting ourselves in our mind, thinking that we are superior. Instead, we would see ourselves in Christ and think of ourselves in Christ and be about what you have said is true of us. Lord, in all that we have heard and seen today, may your spirit use it to change us for the better. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.